How do you retire from behind the chair and still get your salon to pay you forever and create lasting wealth? We're gonna cover that and a ton more all on today's show. Let's do it. Salon owners are some of the most amazing people on planet Earth. The only problem is sometimes their hearts are so big and they give so much of themselves to their staff and guests that it creates unintended consequences. Our goal is to change the industry by elevating the way the rest of the world sees salons, spas, and barbershops and give it the credibility that it truly deserves. This is the Salon Owner Evo Revo Show. Today's podcast is brought to you by Salon Scale, allowing you to charge by what you know, not by what you feel. What's going on, everyone? My name is Jason Everett, one of the co-founders of the High Performance Salon Academy, and with me today is my partner in crime, Mr. Doug Campbell. What's going on, Doug? It's going good, man. Glad to be here. <laughs> Dude, glad to have you on today. Um, I'm kind of getting pumped up. We're actually getting ready to go on a retreat in just a couple days to Cancun, Mexico. If you love you some Mexico, do me a favor and type Mexico uh, in the chat. We're getting ready to take a group of salon owners that we work with to create lasting wealth way beyond ownership of the salon. And we're taking a group of them down to Mexico to do an entire retreat. We're rolling up our sleeves and getting some magic done. If you're going to be joining us in Mexico, do me a favor and say joining. There's a handful of you guys in this uh, really hyper private, cool thing that we're going to be doing in this all-inclusive resort. We're pumped to have you guys down there. But we want to talk today a little bit about this subject because, it, and this is how it got prompted. Um, you know, I was, I was getting, I had a message from somebody the other day that said, uh, you know, I want to retire from behind the chair and, uh, you know, I really like to get out from behind the chair and, and, and just retire and let my staff work and me get paid. And I said, cool. I, like, how many staff do you have? And what, you know, what are you looking to do? And she's like, oh, I've got two people who work behind the chair. And I was like, oh, I, I don't know that, you know, the order of ops here, like having two people to then help you retire from behind the chair might be harder than you think. Um, and I think Doug, you, you've heard this mindset over and over again as we work with people, right? Is this idea that people go, well, I've built this business up and I've got a book of it, even if it's only like three people, right? It's two or three people. I've built this business up and they just want to kind of like hand it over to those two people. And then magically those two people will somehow pay them indefinitely for them to just like sit at home and eat bonbons and retire. Right. And, yeah, and heaven forbid that they would like leave and go start their own salons when there's only two of them or go decide to rent on their own and just take together. Like what's stopping them from doing that? Like, I don't think people get what actually is required to make that happen. Yeah, I mean, it's understanding the process of what's going on. I mean, it's like, you yeah. know, if, if you're smaller and if you're a stylist and you're, you own a salon and you're smaller, yeah, there's going to be a period of time that you're going to have to, there, there's a transition period and you should have a plan for how you're going to transition out and quit working in the business and start working on the business. Right, which uh, that's working in my example, by the way. Right, and then you're going to work on the business for a period of time before you're going to be able to actually get shareholders in or sell the business. Uh, so, and the idea is like, along that way, how are you, are you paying attention to profit? Cause it's like, you, you've got to know where you're going to become break even, when you're going to become profitable. Um, and cause all that keys, uh, that that's the whole game. And that's why you transitioning from working in the business, either behind the chair, or if you're yep. running the front desk, or whatever it is that your role may be, um, it, you you don't have time to really focus on, am I taking care of my profit? Uh, which is the reason that you got into business. Uh, hopefully it's the reason you got into business because it, you know, otherwise it's a hobby uh, because it, if it's not profit, then it's not paying you for the risk that you took. Um, it can be paying you for the job that you're doing inside of the business, 
There's a big difference about that. I mean, uh, I think people get confused all the time. There's confusion when people first come into our program about, you know, what is their profitability? Uh, so it's like, well, well, I work in it. I don't pay myself when I take draws. So mm -hmm. I look at all that as profit. Well, that's not true. If you're, you need to pay yourself for whatever you're doing inside the business, whether it's behind the chair, you pay yourself just like a stylist uh, or any other stylist. If you're managing the front desk or working the front desk, you need to pay yourself for that position. Uh, and then you get to the point to where, you know, you owners pay and then there's profit, but profit's not something that you work for, which is one of those things is how it starts to pay you in the future without you having to put as much work effort in, but that's gotta be your goal is to get a healthy profit and a healthy company that people want to work at so that they stay with you long-term. And that's where, again, eventually you have to get out from behind the chair and quit working in the business. You can still keep a day or two. I mean, if you absolutely love doing hair, yeah. uh, that, that's not a problem. But you can't be the five, six days a week behind the chair. You can't be the main person at the front desk uh, and still be able to actually work on your business and make the decisions and have that creative mind working to grow the business in a way that you really maximize your profit. Um, cause that's where, that's where the magic is. It's people don't want to, I want to sell my salon. It's like, okay, well, what's your profit? I'm not sure. And if I know it's like one or 2%, it's like, you're not, why would anybody it. buy that? Yeah. Right. It, Cause all yeah. they're buying is a, is a job then. Yes. It looks beautiful. Yes. You've had it for 15, 20 years. Uh, uh I'm sorry. I, I think, I'm sorry nobody I told you this to begin with. I guess it's the biggest thing. Right. So, so let, let's, let's correct this problem of beauty school. Can we do this? And I, I don't mean to blame like every beauty school teacher or a beauty school. Like if you run a beauty school, maybe you do teach this, but I'm just saying a lot of people have this idea, right? Somebody else messaged me the other day and they said, Jason, I'm going to teach at a beauty school. And when I ask them their goals, their number one goal is, and I want to talk about this for just a hot minute here is their number one goal is they want to own a salon, which is great. Congratulations. You want to own a salon. I love the entrepreneurial spirit that comes with stylists, right? But this owner was like, well, hey, Jason, like that's a that's a challenge because if they just want to own their own salon, the easiest path for them to quote, own their own salon is for them to go be a booth renter because the delusion is that if I pay rent somewhere and I work for myself, I own a business, right? You don't own a business at that point, Doug, you said it really well. You don't own a business, you own a job, right? And mm -hmm. I think it's really important to say, if you have to work behind the chair in order to earn an income, you own a job, if you don't have to work behind the chair to earn income and you have other people helping you earn income and you guide the business, now all of a sudden you have more of a business and it starts to lead you towards this path that you can retire from behind the chair. Uh, so I wrote down these things, Doug. I want, I'll put this out here. Tell me if you agree, you agree with these. I think there's five levels of owning a salon. Okay. There's, or there's five levels of kind of like what your role is as a salon owner. And I think you said this really well. You have to graduate from these levels and I want to run through it. Number one, okay, you, you start out by becoming a producer. Like even if you work at somebody else's salon or you own your own salon as a renter, you're a producer, you're behind the chair, you're doing work, or maybe you're the owner and you're, uh, you know, you're behind the desk or you're um, an esthetician or whatever. You're, you're in some sort of production role where you're responsible for driving income in the salon. Producer, level one. Number two, you become what's called a people manager, right? You start managing people around you and then their work also pays you as a salon owner and that people manager might need to be more than two people because if you you're taking part of the income from two people not as much as taking parts of the income from 10 or 20 or 50 people very different business at that point right so one is producer two is people manager number three once you 
get the people under you is you start being a profit driver. Now you start to manage efficiencies and you start to manage profit and your pay should not just come from your production, Doug, like you were talking about, but then it moves into the next thing you mentioned, which is their profit. Now you're driving the profit of the business. So step three is you're a profit driver in the business. And once you start to produce profit as a business and go, hey, this thing works without me having to work behind the chair, it starts to work. You move to level four, which is where you start to bring on partners, right? Partners start to come on when your business produces a healthy profit. It's starting to run itself. And you start to bring on partners who could be behind the chair producers, right? They could be behind the chair producers, or they could be outside investors, but you start to bring on these partners. And then you start to have, you start to share that workload. And maybe your workload reduces to, to your point, Doug, one day a week. And I don't mean one day a week behind the chair and five days a week of you running, uh, running the business. We mean it might be able to reduce your time down even further. And only then you get to level five. You ready for level five, Doug? Yep. Where you get to peace out. <laughs> you get to peace out, right? So all the P's, right? Producer, people manager, profit driver, bring on partners, and then you get to piece out. And again, there's a level of piecing out. Maybe you provide a uh, once a quarter strategic advantage meeting where you sit down with them and you provide some coaching for them, but you're a, you become a silent partner. You're not on site anymore because two people have bought 50% of the business and you still retain 50% ownership or 30% ownership. But if you've produced a machine that generates cash flow and revenue and profit, that's when you really own a business. So I go back to this idea of what's taught in beauty school. What they teach you in beauty school is it's great to be a salon owner. You can make lots of money as a salon owner, but you gotta be clear is what is that salon owner? Is it a behind the chair, one person salon, or is it a salon that produces profit, creates partners, manages people, and then affords you the opportunity to retire in the future. If this is helping for you guys, these five P's, do me a favor and say five P's in the chat. I hope this is giving you a lot of clarity. And even if you like, maybe you go to beauty school, you might want to educate them on these things and say, Hey, there are different levels of salon ownership. When somebody says, I want to be a salon owner, you go, Oh, that's great. What kind of salon owner do you want to be? Do you want to be like behind the chair working until you're 65 and then you just stop working one day? Hopefully you saved enough money. Or do you want to be a salon owner that runs, runs a 20 person salon? and then maybe closes it when you're retired? Or do you wanna be a salon owner that builds up an incredible business and one day sells it to other people and they can retire from that? Those are all very different types of salons. And you know, and I think sometimes that that, that seed that gets planted in the hair school, sometimes it, it grows and they may open a real salon, but they still don't really know what they're doing. It's like, totally. I, I, I wish, you know, I, I, maybe we'll lobby our state and see if we can get it taken out because there's just, there's no reason it's, somebody needs to learn how to do hair first. You need to understand how to do hair really well. Then if you want to open a business, then go and yeah. find the information that you need to understand. Because the problem is they, they work for four or five years. Yeah, I want to do that thing I thought dreamt about in, in hair school, open a salon. I'm going to get three or four of my friends. We're going to open a salon and we can do great hair and it looks beautiful, but it doesn't run like a business. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's very good at push, putting out a nice product. But the business part of it is what suffers because no one's ever told them. They did some silly little you know, business plan when they were in uh, cosmetology school. They don't even understand of why right. they did it, what the purpose of it. And profit probably wasn't even talked about. Uh, right. So that's part of the problem. Like, it was just how would three of us get together and afford a space as a group? Right, right. Yeah. And it's like, so, and it's how do we get by? How do we have cash flow and we get by? And it's like the, the, the part that happens is you get, confused about what you're doing behind the chair. And that's because I know a lot of salon owners like, yeah, I opened up a salon with some of my friends and I, I had to actually work more and make less money. 
Uh, and that, totally if, if that was part of the plan, that's okay. If, if that's what you need to do for the first year to get it where it needs to be, that's okay. I'm not saying that that's, there's not a place for that, but it, that's not the way it should be ongoing. You know, you, you, yeah. that's the just got started part, not the, not the, the forever. That's where we're going to be for years. Right. Yeah. So let's do this. We got to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk about how else you can create income with the money that you uh, earn from your salon. Because I think just the behind the chair income and the income the salon produces has got to go somewhere besides just a savings account. And you just got to say, hey, how do I live on less? We're going to talk about how do you actually retire from the salon by the other moves that you do. When we come back from this break, stick around. If you're enjoying today's show, say loving it in the chat. We'll be right back. Hey, HPSA listeners, let me ask you this. Are you tired of not knowing what your hair color is costing you on every appointment and watching it chew up your profit? Well, with Salon Scale, we take the guesswork out for you. Using a mobile app paired with a Bluetooth scale, Salon Scale will tell you exactly what your color is costing you on every bowl mix down to the ground. As you mix, Salon Scale will also digitally store your formulas and track how much product is being used in real time so you can manage your inventory, cover your expenses, and generate more profit in your salon. Use promo code HPSA10 to get 10% off an annual subscription. Salon Scale, the new standard for mixing color. Speaking of things that drive profit, Salon Scale has been one of the massive uh, ways that people have driven profit inside their salons. In fact, we've had salons that have increased their, their profit by twenty-five dollars to $75,000 in one year because of managing their money differently like Salon Scale. Doug, I know you guys use that in your salons, yeah? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's one of those things, again, it's when you're working on your business, but then you see where there's things that need to be corrected. And totally. you start making some of those corrections and it significantly impacts your profit. Uh, and it's, you just can't, if you're behind the chair, you know, you won't see it. killing it behind that. If you're in it all the time, putting out fires all the time, you're, mm -hmm. that's why people don't get there because they haven't taken the chance to do it. Have the chance to have a chance to you know, sit down with a, a coach or a mentor and make out a plan. It's like, you know, yeah, I, I can squeeze in 30 minutes for you next week, but I'm going to be running late from an appointment. And I may have to leave early. It's like, that's, yeah. that's, you're, you're not, you're not managing profit performance with your accountant and managing your tax. There's right. no way you don't have time. You have time. Right. And then it's like, you know, so yeah. then we get people stabilized and they start making right. a profit. And so like, it's one of the things in my, you know, one of my pet peeves with this industry is everybody does their, the salons are by gross uh, revenue. I'm a million dollar uh, yeah. salon. I'm a $2 million salon. I'm $3 million salon. And you have a $3 million salon that's making one or 2% profit. So what? Like, yeah. <laughs> I'd rather you be a million dollar salon at 15 or 20% profit. You'd be doing a lot less work and making a lot more money. And then if you grew that one to 3 million, fantastic. You know, you do, yeah. Now, now you're cooking. Right. And, and just, and that's profit. That's not what you're paying yourself as an owner or anything else. And so I do yeah. think it's important. You know, once that money starts showing up, it's important to start doing something with that money. Uh, mm -hmm. Instead of just taking it away in the savings account, Instead of saying, oh, well, now we've got money to upgrade things in the salon. The, the, the biggest mistakes I see people make when they start getting some profit going is when they'll, they'll, they'll way gussy up the salon beyond where it was actually needed. Did you just say um, gussy up, by the way? Yeah, you're Southern I showing, did, Doug. I, they gussy up their salon. Gussy up. <laughs> um, I love it. 
it's but, true. Uh, you know, so it's, it's, they true. spend money on the salon that they probably shouldn't do or, or wasn't needed. Yeah. Uh, or, and then they, they buy the car that they've always wanted. Uh, and Or they buy the house or, or remodel the house. Where, you know, those things are fine. But that's not where all you, you if, if you take it a shouldn't be all of it. Yeah. Right. Because you, you've got to you've got to put it into other vehicles that are going to start to make it. So if you don't own your property, you need to start looking for property to own. Uh, yeah, like you know, meeting your property for the salon. Well, I'm, right, your house number one. Right. House and number one. Property yet, for your salon. <clears throat> and if you can't do that yet, you can start buying some smaller properties to build yeah. up to the point that you can. But having a plan, I mean, people say, oh, I just can't, my area, I can't afford to buy a commercial property. I, is that, okay, start with something. What start with some yeah. residential rentals. Start with a small commercial that you don't occupy, but you own and you right. use all the leverage to that and you keep growing that to the point that you can do it right. it's like and sometimes people just stop because it seems too big and it's like you back it up to where can you start so you start because that's the key to it is in in any business when people start making profit it's like are you taking it and putting it into something to where it's going worst what can be is in the bank it's like yeah we were right. playing with some numbers earlier if you had a few million in the bank <clears throat> over the last year and we've had five percent inflation you could have lost hundreds of thousands of dollars in value yeah. in that money because it just sat there it doesn't stay up they need to have, yeah, stay in there with any investment just to be you know get it out there there's always risk uh mm-hmm. but that's where you've got to get clear on what level of the risk is before there was risk when you opened your business you may mm-hmm. not have really thought it through but there was because you thought you were awesome <laughs> right you thought it was all just going to be amazing then you. you woke up a year later going why in the world did i do this um so, so, I mean, so let me let me break this down I want to make sure you guys are catching this because we're, we're, we went deep. And if you're loving the deep, do me a favor and say deep in the chat. Uh, and I appreciate you guys commenting along as we're playing, by the way. But here, here's the thing. What I want you to hear is you can work behind the chair and produce income. And by the way, this next strategy that we're talking about, about how do you gen- create generational wealth and how do you leverage wealth can be just done. If you're just a stylist behind the chair and you want to create generational wealth, you can do that here. But you will create or should be able to create more income as an owner than you do as a stylist. Like, let's say you could become a hundred thousand dollar a year stylist. Yeah, great. I I made maybe you made two hundred grand as a stylist, but you kept a hundred thousand dollars. That you're on fifty percent commission. Making that up. Let's just give it a rough example. I made a hundred grand a year. I would hope that that same person who could make a hundred thousand dollars for the year could make two or three hundred thousand dollars a year running a very effective salon, right? Mm-hmm. And if maybe you were a fifty thousand dollar a year stylist, maybe you could earn a hundred thousand dollars a year as the owner right? And level yourself up. So there should be more opportunity to earn income as an owner because you assume more risk than you do as a stylist. So your business's number one job, you ready for this? And I I hope you guys hear this. Your business's number one job is to produce cash. That's its job, right? It's one thing for you to produce your own cash. That's no leverage. When you have a team of 10 or 15 or 20 people and yourself to help you produce cash, you should be producing more cash than you could on your own. That's how this works. So business is job. Number one, produce cash. Once you have cash, what most people do, Doug, is like you said, and I saw this, we asked people about their business plan and somebody commented on our business plan thing. I don't mean to knock you. I'm just saying this is not my plan. They said, number one, most important thing on your business plan, reinvest. Kind of. Because <laughs> I think to your point, Doug, a lot of people in the salon world, they just reinvest, 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 and they get conditioned to reinvest. They never know how to pull money out. 
which is why we train people on all types of different profit methodologies like profit first. So you pull out money as you're making money, you reinvest a portion, you pull a portion out. And so now you have cash. But once you have that cash, what do you do with it? To your point, Doug, do you just buy a bigger house, buy a nicer car? Is that what you're supposed to do with it? Or do you use that money to buy what are called cash flow producing assets? That could be another, that could be a building, could be the building you own for yourself, could be other things that you have that produce cash flow, right? You could buy other things that produce regular cash flow. Maybe it's real estate, maybe it's investments, right? Maybe it's a, another business that you want to start, right? You're buying other things that become assets to produce more what's called cash flow, right? So cash comes from your efforts. Cash flow comes from your asset itself, like the real estate, like uh, the somebody else running a business where you invest in someone else's business. Now, once you have that cash flow, that allows you to retire indefinitely, right? From that cash flow, because you have to work for the income behind the chair. You have to work a little less for the income in the business in some cases, but your cash flow should be money that produces month on month on month on month without a bunch of your personal effort. And that's what starts to get you to the point where you go, okay, I can retire from behind the chair because I have people running the business for me. I still own a piece of that. I own the real estate that the, that the building sits on. I own maybe the strip mall that we're in and each one of those other businesses in that strip mall uh, produces income. And now all of a sudden I'm making two, three, $400,000 a year off all of these assets. And if I don't want to work, my income only goes down marginally, right? My 50 grand I was earning behind the chair, not that big of a deal. If I, I, I could take it or leave it. How many people would like to be in the spot where you could take or leave your behind the chair income because you have other things producing income for you. This is the formula that is not taught in beauty schools. And by the way, Almost nowhere else will you learn about this other than what we do inside the academy, toot our own horn for a second, and at our retreat that we're doing down at Salon CEO, uh, we teach people how to take their money, turn it into cash flow producing assets so they make money from their salon, and what else they do with the money that they earn from their salons so and create generational wealth. I think, and the key is, is to have a plan. You know, people just kind of go into autopilot and survival yeah. mode. Is that you got to have a plan of what you're doing, how you're putting this stuff to work, because uh, yeah. I mean, I remember when I thought about different income levels, like, man, if I ever made that much money, I, I'm set for life. That's yeah, not true. <laughs> <laughs> when you hit it, you were like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, like, oh, okay, that's not, okay. But, but, so, but yeah. the idea is you got to take a certain portion of that and put it, it to work for you. And the more that you do that, then the more things grow. Uh, and, you know, like what you do in your salon, you really need to have a capital investment account that you're putting money in. And that's what improves. So when that account says you can do it, then you can do whatever it is. You need to know what the life is of each one of the things that you need to replace and or update. Uh, it's not just that everything goes back into it. So eventually I'll quit putting money into because if you get in the habit of every time you've got some extra cash, that's the reason to buy. That's why profit yeah. first works so well. You, you move it off the plate so you can't see it. And so then you actually are preserving your profit instead of spending. So look, I, I know you've probably been listening to this podcast and you were like, you know what? I do some of that stuff. And then there was a couple of things that we said today that were kind of challenging for you. If you're really honest and you're listening to this and you're going, man, I need some help with this area of my life. I don't master this. I'm not, I, I can't converse as fluidly as Doug and Jason are doing right now about this. And you need to get some support and get some help. If you are not producing a profit from your salon, if you do not have massive amounts of additional income that you start investing in places, you need to get some support because I am, I am sick and tired of seeing salon owners, Doug, that have fancy looking salons 
and they might even drive nice cars and they think that's successful, but they're not really creating generational wealth. They don't have a plan for retirement. They don't really have a written plan. They're just kind of winging it. And if you feel like you're winging it and you want to have some help, would you do me a favor and just find me on social media, send me a personal message and say, Jason, I've been winging it and I would love your help because we'd love to support you. We'd love to serve you uh, and figure out if that's just pointing you to a book if that could get you started and get you on a couple of ideas that would get you moving. Or if that means talking with somebody on our team, getting what's called a salon acceleration session, we figure out how do we ramp up the income for your salon so you can do some real cool things in the future. Um, as you can tell, Doug and I get a little fired up about this. Maybe because we're going to go hang out in Mexico and talk about creating generational wealth in a few days. But we get fired up about it because we believe every salon owner deserves to create wealth in their business. They deserve to have an amazing business they love to work in and that is great and is a, is a great way to teach other people how to run profitable salons, not just be a salon owner. I think one of the things is like people in this industry, salon owners industry are wicked smart. They've just never been exposed to the right information. Never been shown. I, I yep. love it inside of our program when people start getting exposed to the right information, understand that they're like, oh, you know, because they, they think it's some big mystery thing of how to actually run a big, you know, that it's yeah. never been shared to them. They're trying to just figure out what, what's the secret. They start figuring out, it's like, oh, this isn't that hard. This isn't, you know, just no one's ever given them the information. I love seeing when that switch turns on and they start thinking like a CEO instead of a stylist or, you know, a, a esthetician or whatever, they start thinking like a business owner and the energy that brings. It's like, the problem is they just haven't been exposed to the right information. It's not that they don't have the wherewithal to be able to do it. It just hasn't been exposed to the right. I love seeing it. when they get it, they like take off like a rocket. Yeah. So like I said, uh, at the end, I really appreciate you guys listening in today. And if any of this resonated with you, you can also send me a message and say, I'm ready to be the CEO and we'll help you out and give you any resources that we possibly can uh, and get you tooled up. So thanks for being on the show today. Doug, as always, great chat today. I'm really excited about helping more salons and seeing you in Mexico in a few days. Thanks, guys. Have a great one. See you later. Thanks for listening to the Evo Revo podcast. Today's podcast was brought to you by Salon Scale, allowing you to charge by what you know, not by what you feel. Please subscribe, leave us a review, and you can always get more information, including show notes and the video episodes at evorevopodcast.com.